Good morning, everyone. My friends, uh, our first reading uh, from, comes from the book of Job, and the book um, tries to explain suffering, uh, and in particular, uh, why do bad things happen to good people, or in the case of Job, why is this suffering a great deal of it happen to the one who is righteous and upright. Um, and it also is a book, however, uh, that has a theophany in it. Theophany is when God uh, manifests himself to human beings in a particular way. And our, the book of Job, the part we're seeing, what happens before is uh, something's, Job's having a bad year, for sure. And uh, his friends come to try and help him, and all they do is rile him up. And uh, uh, there's uh, uh, messengers that come, and all they do is rile him up. And this is where we see, here's where you enter into the reading for this morning. Job is riled up. He is upset with God, and uh, he's confronting God. And uh, God's saying, look, were you with me when I made the stars of the heaven and set them? Were you there when I created the planets? Do you understand how the universe works? Do you even understand gravity? Remember last week I talked about gravity? Darn, you guys. You got to take notes. That was a good one, a good connection from last week to this week because we don't know anything about gravity. And this is what the point of God is. You are unable to understand my ways. So what God is trying to elicit out of Job is faith and confidence in him. No matter what happens, that he's there. Our second reading, and ultimately to have that faith and confidence, means a shift, a paradigm shift in how they perceive, how Job sees the world, and how he sees the events that are happening. And St. Paul is doing the same thing. He's saying, Jesus Christ died for you. If you're wondering if he loves you, he died for you so that you would have eternal life. And St. Paul is making references to baptism. We, in baptism, we die with Christ to rise with him. And so he says, the one died for all, and now in baptism we all are connected into his death and dying. And therefore, we have, and St. Paul in his whole Pauline corpus will tell you, even now you walk on this earth with that seed of eternal life within you. And he says, look, he makes all things new. We knew Jesus Christ in the flesh. Now he is risen from the dead. And now we see him no more that way, is what he's saying. Now we see him in a different... <clears throat> and Paul will say, I need you to also have a paradigm shift in perception of the world and how you see things. Because the world will tell you God doesn't exist, that he hates you, on and on and on. You guys know this, you live in the world. And Paul would say, no. No, you got to think differently. All things are new now. And this brings us uh, to our gospel. And uh, absolutely, um, this gospel, remember, Mark's main concern is that you would come to understand who Jesus of Nazareth is. This is his main point. So in the gospel today, we also see a theophany. Only God has power over the elements. That's what's happening in the first reading. I'd say, I, did the, I made the stars, I, put, I set the planets, I, only God can do this. 
So in our gospel, we see a theophany happening also. Jesus speaks, and the elements listen. And uh, in Jesus' time, there's this thing about the sea. God was in the heavens, people were on the earth, and monsters lived in the sea, and particularly Satan. So whenever the sea was chaotic, it was because of demons. Now, Father Mark, you know, with his crazy movies in his head, he's like, well, don't they get on the water and fish? How does that work? You know, the monsters live in the sea. And uh, the sea they were on, uh, there wasn't, it was a lake, a gigantic lake, but it, it might as well look like a, a sea. And just before this chapter, Jesus is in miracle mode, and he expels a demon from someone, and he uses the same words, be quiet, calm. And in the next chapter, Jesus will encounter a demoniac, and he will say, be quiet and come out of him. So what Mark is telling you, Jesus of Nazareth is God. He's the son of God. He, he's the only one who has power over the elements. They should know this and understand this. But we hear in the gospel, they ask, who is this guy? That even the elements pay attention to him. And my friends, um, Father Mark has 12 pages of notes. And uh, I know I can't go through all of them, so I had to pick out pieces from the gospel because it's so rich and packed. Um, so we are told, respect, he wants us to understand the symbols and the symbolicness of what's happening also. So he'll always go to a different level. And remember, for him, the apostles were kind of bumbling around. They didn't have much faith. They didn't understand. And, uh, but he wants us to. So we are told, as the darkness of evening approached them, this is a foreshadowing of this, of this chaos that is about to, in God's eyes, not chaos, but to us, to the world, this is chaotic, this execution. But even furthermore, even deeper, uh, each one of us will have to navigate the waters of death. No one is going to escape that. None of us here, unless Jesus comes back tomorrow in the second coming, I suppose. And then we can deal with that then. But, um, and Jesus says, uh, in the English, let us cross over to the other side. But I like the Greek translation. Let us cross over to the farther shore. What is the farther shore? In, yes, in that moment, they meant the other side of the lake. But what was Jesus really talking about? I'm going to propose to you that... Um, the farther shore is a state of full maturity in our relationship with God. That is the farther shore. That means to walk in holiness. That means to be strong in faith and to be a faithful disciple. And what brings it about? To reach the farther shore of sanctity, one must first take leave of the crowd. Jesus said, we're leaving the crowd behind. For us today, that means the group mentality of the world. That means we must abandon all the popular misconceptions about God, all the false truths put forth about him, and all the pressures that come from living in a world 
that uh, despises him and will tell you, you can't trust him. He doesn't exist anyway, but why would you trust him? Because look at things. We must leave that behind. The first step towards sanctity is to step away from the crowd and to step into the boat. You guys, wake up. I get this at 8.30, if the 8.30 crowd was this, but not you guys, it's 11. So the symbol of the church is the boat. My friends, in leaving the crowds behind, we are told the disciples took Jesus with them in the boat just as he was. I'm going to propose something to you. As he was means you don't get to tell yourself, well, Jesus is like, no, the scriptures tell you what Jesus is like, who he is and what he does. Because people say, well, I don't think Jesus... Did you go to the scriptures and find that, or is that your own making? Oh, we're good at that. We're very good at adapting our own Jesus. But as we were told, they took him as he was. In other words, um, another way to understand this is we cannot get to that farther shore on our own. We must have him. That goal is only possible because of Jesus. Every thought then and every action of our life must begin with taking Jesus with us and not trying to recreate him to our own liking. Because we must accept eternity. The farther shore is that promising place that Jesus spoke of, that he said, I am going there and I'm preparing a place for you. He puts this on our hearts. It becomes a light and a desire on the human heart so that we do not lose all hope, that we will understand. En route to the farther shore, we will encounter storms of many kinds, both external and internal. For the apostles on that evening, it was both. There was something going on outside of them, and there is something lacking on the inside of them. And uh, my friends, the fact that we follow Jesus Christ is not a guarantee that we do not uh, encounter storms. There is nowhere in the scriptures that tell us that. Christ never promised his followers would be on a cruise to the Mediterranean Sea every day using the boat idea. Rather, he hinted that they would have to pass through many storms. And therefore, when they strike us, we must not feel that God has abandoned us, and much less that he is punishing us for some reason. I've got to make this clear to you. This is not a punishment. It's not a punishment. Storms come. And this notion from the gospel is that Christ is with us. In that. My friends, um, in my, when I, you know how I am with my humor and I read the gospel and Jesus is sleeping on a cushion and he certainly was tired. What happens, what, perceive, what happened just before is he had been preaching for almost two days to people trying to encourage them, trying to get them to believe, to elicit faith, faith in them. So he's exhausted. But the reason why he's sleeping on the boat is because he completely trusts his father. 
You know the boat was shaking him, going and... And Jesus cuddles up to that cushion. Hmm. He trusted his Father in all things. In all things, he trusted his Father, and he wants you to do the same thing. He wants you to trust. Even when all the forces of this world that can be chaotic seems that you are at its mercy, he is with you. And you are not to lose hope. You are not to be in despair. It was in deep reflection that I understand we need those storms in our life. For the threat of storms shows us specific areas in our lives in which we are inclined to be overcome by fear and anxieties, and which causes so many to doubt and to be angry. And that leads to lack of trust and confidence in God and despair. Exactly where Satan wants you, in despair. Every storm confronts us with an all-important challenge, Either we can obsess about the terror of whatever the peril is, and it's different for different people, or we can focus on the real presence of Jesus through it all, asleep on the cushion, showing us to have faith and trust in his Father. And my friends, the very silent slumber of Jesus Christ is mightier than any chaos because he has absolute trust in his Father. Sometimes one needs to experience our security in jeopardy before we will entrust ourselves wholeheartedly the way Jesus entrusted himself to his Father when he walked on this earth. He still does. It, it, that's without question about heaven. But. So my friends, it makes the question that because they do not ask Jesus what he is going to do. What are you going to do about this? That's not what they do. They strike at the heart. Doesn't it matter to you that we are going to die? The first reading, the second reading, address this. I love you. You will not die, but have eternal life. And my friends, the thing about the apostles is they're a reflection of us today. If you and I are completely honest with each other, you and I know that we have said the same thing to God. Do you not care that my loved one is dying? Do you not care that my marriage is falling apart? Do you not care that the medicine is not working? Come on. You know we've approached God the same way. In this scene in the scriptures, we should be convinced about the Lord's desire then on our behalf. We should gain confidence and have faith to reach that farther shore with him. In order to reach that farther shore, uh, fear and faithlessness must remain with the crowd, that group mentality it must be left behind. You must not believe what the world tells you. We should not underestimate or be surprised when we experience God's presence and authority in the little ways. He's always present to us. 
I bring up Elijah. Elijah, who was running in fear from a queen. He had a right to be. She wanted him dead. He hides in a mountain, in a cave. And he's looking for God. And he looks for God in the lightning. He looks for God in the thunder. He looks for God in the... And finally, uh, I, have a, I know why he's doing it. He, they say he covers his head and goes outside because they weren't allowed to... He felt the presence of God coming, and it was in the whisper of a breeze. <laughs> and of course, God tells him, get out of the cave and go back. <laughs> okay, here we go. We don't search for him in the ordinary, and he's there. If he has traveled with you, even in these ordinary times, when the chaos of a storm comes, you will know he is present to you also. You see what I'm getting at? You have to know and understand he's always there, always present. As we draw near to the farther shore, we should not be incredulous, but should always be grateful in all things. In that gratitude, then, in that and no, you may not be able to change things, but to be a soothing presence, to be a calming presence to someone who's in the midst of their storm. Yesterday, I was summoned to the hospital on an urgent call. And the patient was given devastating news. And I ministered the sacrament of anointing. But my heart was breaking because the patient was terrified when I tried to console. When I got to my car, I cried. People don't think priests react. Yeah, we react. Because I knew there was nothing I could do. To change the illness, no. To change that fear. I told her, God loves you. You do not have to be afraid. Do that. Lord, give her strength. Strengthen her now. Remove that fear from her because the illness was not going away. When we have that faith, we're able to walk into that and be present to someone. And I pray that, I mean, it broke my heart because she had asked me, Father, will I see you again? And I said, it is unlikely you will see me again. I pray her family will be there for her in that way. When I have to trust God, I did the anointing. I've been praying for, for her. But we can be present to people when our faith is strong. And we're called to be that for others. We need to be grateful then in all things. The theophany event contained in this gospel of Mark is awesome because we're told the wind and the sea obeyed Jesus. You know what's even more awesome? You know what would be even more miraculous? Is that if people who are willful and sinful would obey Jesus completely, faithfully, especially when this world tries to tempt us and tell us just the opposite. Do not follow him. Do not believe in him. We are to trust. 
we are to have faith and confidence in all things. That obedience is key to reaching all the joy and happiness and peace that one will have on that farther shore. And our Lord helps us and provides for us. First, he provides the boat, which is the church, Mother Church. Furthermore, he pours out grace upon all of you if your heart is open to absorb that grace to help you. And finally, in a very unique way, the abundancy of love and mercy and strength in the Eucharist given to you out of love to help you on this journey in this world, to reach the farther shore. My friends, absolutely the story of the gospel was written for encouragement for our world, for our church, for our parishes, and certainly for individuals, that the Lord does not abandon us. Even when we feel we are at the mercy and the forces of terrible things, He is there with us. There are many beautiful things in our world, and we have beautiful days, and we are to be grateful for those. But we also recognize and understand storms come. What the apostles did for the world was to testify to their experience of Christ. So I am your pastor, and I will testify to you. Storms have come in my life. You know the stories. You have your own. But I have lived in the goodness of God in them. And God has been faithful to me. Always. Even when I was unfaithful to him, he was faithful to me. So when the storm comes for me, I'm going to grab hold of the boat. And I'm not going to let go. Matter of fact, Jesus, what you doing? What you doing in this? What's going on? What you doing? This is what I will do. I will say, Lord, move over a little bit and let me rest my head on the cushion next to you. Because that is the best place to be. I pray you will have this is my testimony to you as your priest about the goodness of God and his presence always in all things. May you have that same faith. You don't have to listen to my testimony. You just go to the scriptures. They're there. Believe those. But I'm telling you my experience of the Lord in my life. He loves you. He is always present. Open your eyes and your heart to him and you will see. Amen.